I've managed to track down Dennis. In fact, Dennis has come up to me and he's told me about a place that I want to know something more about. I keep on seeing on the map of Presswich in the past, I keep on seeing the dye works. Uh, the dye works I can't really picture. What I'm trying to do is get more information from Dennis because he was around when the dye works were a, a very important part of Presswich and in fact I guess he probably saw the dye works at the very demise, the end of the life of the dye works but it was very important to Prestwich, I suppose at some time, because I certainly know that a lot of the houses that were built around there were built from the money from the dye works. So tell me, Dennis, when, when did you get involved in your short period with the dye works? Uh, well, it's when I came out to do my national service, which would be 1954. Yes, it would be, 50, and I worked on a stenter, and uh, I worked 12 hours a day. I didn't realise that uh, what they was doing, they was getting all the cloth they had and all the dye and they was putting together and that's the way they were sold because the firm was going bankrupt and uh, the auditors must have told them that to get the dye into the cloth and then they could sell it that way. But I didn't know that and uh, until I got my wages. I worked there nearly seven weeks and uh, when I went for my pay, there was a nice letter in it saying, I'm sorry, but we are now closing up. And the foreman of the shed, I don't know his name, he worked there all his life, and he had a bowler hat. And I do remember him getting the same as I got. And uh, it'd be a man in his 60s, and uh, he was tears in his eyes. And he said, I am going into the lodge until my hat floats. He was so upset. So the, the people that you saw, that guy with the bowler hat, had been there pretty well all, all his life, had worked there? It, it would have been, yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, my brother worked there, he was much older than me, and my sister also worked there. And um, yes, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a, a great employer in that area, definitely. And why was the dye works located there? Did it get local materials? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I think the main thing was to supply water. They had two lodges there, and at the time they, they relied on the water coming down the stream in Mere Clough. Uh, it was a constant water supply. Now whereabouts, if I was to visit Prestwich nowadays and go down the clough, where is it located? Well, it's now gone, of course. It's part of a nature trail. and. Uh, uh, the way I would go to it down now is down Clifton Road and um, continue down Clifton Road plus the entrance to the, uh, the mental hospital, Presswich Hospital and carry on down there for another two or three hundred metres and it would be on your, would have been on your left hand side which is now uh, a nature trail and it was next to a farm also. You mentioned that you were working on a stentor, what, what does a stentor do? Well, a stent is an old terminology. Uh, you get fields, coal stenter fields, and the only way they used to bleach the cloth is to lay it out in the field. And you've heard that saying, I own tenterooks. And what it was, it stretched the cloth, and it was a, mach a machine, there was two of us working on it. There was the ma man at the end and the man at the beginning who would feed the cloth in, and the man at the other end would take it onto the roll. And then, when the roll was finished, then you take it into the dye works itself. But it's, um, 
the it, what it did it, it was it, the cloth went down this tr uh, long machine and it, it the, the oaks used to stretch the cloth apart and there was steam underneath uh, playing onto the cloth. It's funny I come from a town called Tenterden and I, we always thought that it was called Tenterden because it was related to that expression tent hooks but apparently that isn't why it's called Tenterden it's because the people from Thanet formed a, a, a sort of an area, a, a clearing in the wood or forest as it were but here we're talking about the real tenter um, you say a tenter is like a frame for drying the wool? It's a, it's a frame and it runs down. I would say the machine is quite lengthy. I would think it's at least 15 to 20 metres long. It's a heck of a machine. And uh, the cloth would roll off a roll at the back of me and down into the centre. And my job was to make sure that the, the hooks on the other side of the, of the cloth gripped it and so I could feed it into it. And the man at the other end would take it off. And... Uh, it, yes, it's an old terminology. These fields called tenter fields, and it was in the olden days when they used to put the cloth out for the sun to dry and put peg it on either side of the cloth in the fields. Were you using solar power, as it were, even in the time that you were working, or you, weren't, you were no longer putting it out in the fields, you were drying oh, no. inside? No, that idea of putting it in the fields went out probably in the 16th century. Sorry, you're not that, that old, Dennis, I know. No, I know, I'm just going back in an history book now. But uh, the, the, what we used was, uh, it was, they had a big boiler room there which created the steam, and that's where we got the steam from, and the heat. I heard it said that uh, the dye works was also there because they were able, at some point, to get the material for making the dye. I don't know, lime works or something like that? Does that ring a bell? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure at all about that. And you're joined here, Dennis, by your... Nephew. That's my nephew. Sorry, that's, that's your nephew. That's All right. Nephew. And uh, your ne nephew's name is? It's John. John Munford. I'll tell a little story because um, obviously Dennis worked there. My mother worked there as well because Dennis and my mother lived about, about say, about 20... About, how far were you? About a quarter of a mile away, weren't you? In the, uh, in the clough. There's some council houses... It, just inside the clough, it's, oh, they've, they've been pulled down now through subsidence. That's where they both lived at the time. And the story of uh, the uh, the perfect black, as they call it, in the dye industry, it's a very, very rarity because uh, it's, it's, I think it's actually a mixture of like a very deep purple. That's I think, the correct colour. So it's, it's very difficult to actually make a dye that that is a perfect black, isn't it? Is that is that right? It is, yeah. And I think the story. I'm sure it's gone from Dennis Hall from my mother, but there was a story of uh, a gentleman at the time. He was found drunk at the at the dye works at Waterdale, and the, uh, he mixed all sorts of things in. Anyway, they found him drunk, and uh, they were going to well, they sacked him. And then they realised after they sacked him, he'd made the perfect black. And they said to him, "You've made the perfect black here, whatever his name was." And he said, and, "You know, we'll give you your job back if you can remember how you mixed it." Well, unfortunately, he was that drunk he couldn't remember how he mixed it, so he didn't get his job back. So we still have that mystery of how to make the perfect black. And your sister also worked at the dye works, is that yeah, right? Not at the same time as me. And my brother worked there, not at the same time as me. They were much older than me. I'm the youngest of the family. So thank you very much for your time, Dennis, and thank you very much for your time, John. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is great to have a record of this. And hopefully you'll be able to come back in 20 years' time and we'll also be able to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you very much, John.